Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Oh, I must put that bag of chocolates out of reach. A sweet uh, treat is tempting on a dull, cold, drizzly day like today. There is no better group of pots of flower power than forms of the shrubby potentilla, producing single rose like flowers continually from June to the first frost. Our thanks to this week's sponsor, the Seeds and Plant Range at montroseuk.com. While the weather is wet and uh, soil sodden, at least uh, we're not flooded out as so many uh, people are in other parts of the country. I did venture up to the top of my veg plot earlier today where I've been digging. It's uh, still full of water at the bottom of the trench. Now, when uh, conditions are as wet as that, and even worse, when uh, soil's flooded, the best thing to do is to stay off it. That's particularly the case with heavy soil. If you tread about on that when it's wet, it gets compressed, it damages the structure, and it takes some time to get that back into some kind of order. It'll drain, and when the weather is drying, then we can get the spade out and uh, get cracking again. If uh, you have to do some work where the land is very wet, well, then get a very broad board to work on so that you spread your weight, particularly if it is on turf and from the lawn, so that you don't compress that area too much. It is, of course, this week, the inauguration of a new president in the States. In actual fact, it's taking place as I record this. Uh, I'm reminded of the steamy, hot day uh, in July some years ago when we recorded a programme in the Lady Bird Johnson Rose Garden at the White House for an American TV programme called The Victory Garden. Things were very different then. I don't remember any serious uh, security presence. I think there may have been one or two guards at the main portico as we went in, but uh, I don't really remember anything more than that. I do remember looking across from the Rose Garden, seeing the then President Jimmy Carter at his desk in the Oval Office as we went about our business, uh, looking at roses that were having a pretty tough time in those temperatures. Uh, Lady Bird Johnson was famed for her environmental work, way ahead of her time, really, in this respect. We were told she brought a sense of uh, floral to everything she did, with her famous quote, Where flowers bloom, there blooms hope. 
The Johnsons were the first presidential couple to hold a state dinner actually in the Rose Garden, and Lady Bird was well known for her flowerpot sundaes, a terracotta pot with layers of ice cream, sponge cake and meringue, topped with a single rose or a tulip, one stem stuck in the top. Actually, I could do with one of those Sundays just now. Go down a treat, I'm sure. Over four years, her beautification committee planted two million uh, daffodil bulbs in the city, uh, reportedly the largest in history. She said masses of flowers uh, where the masses pass was what she was after. I'm all for that. And it reminds me of uh, the late David Welsh up in Aberdeen. He did a similar job with daffodils on the roadsides all the way round the city. Boy, they were colourful too when that lot came out in April and May. I also uh, well remember him saying that several of the committee members said that if we go planting stuff like this, people will only damage them or steal them. And he said quite the reverse. The locals really loved their flowers and if anybody moved to damage them in any way, they were up in arms immediately. So uh, there we are. Masses of flowers where the masses pass. Our guest on the podcast this week is Tom Sharples, a man with uh, unbelievable experience in the sea trade and been um, a very useful source of uh, guidance and knowledge to me over the years. Uh, uh, Tom, you're down in Devon, I think. How are things in... uh, Heaven. It's a pretty wet, cold, miserable sort of world up here in the uh, southeast. Oh, maybe I should say welcome to balmy Devon then, because uh, it's cloudy, but it's warm. Oh, that's that's great for January. Can you explain to us how you first got into the industry? You know, I'm just taking you back a bit. You can still remember, I hope, <laughs> uh, where you started and why you started. I blame uh, the biology master at school, actually. Like a lot of kids, I wasn't sure quite where I wanted to go. So he said, oh, you know, you should do A-levels. So I did A-levels. It kind of took me to the stage where if I wanted to progress, I'd have to do more. So I actually joined Rothamsted Experimental Station. Oh, really? It was interesting, but where was it going? But the decision was made for me, actually, because I was travelling over there on a scooter and one day... The engine seized and I went through a hedge and uh, so I left Rothamsted. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, perhaps we should explain that you know, Rothamsted have done work on soils for centuries, haven't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. very very well respected organisation there. But anyway, uh, when I came out of hospital, um, I thought, I'll go to college. And hence I went to Oaklands, uh, the Horticultural College in St Albans. And, uh, yeah, I took uh, HND there and came out qualified. Education is quite different, isn't it? When we went to college, you know, I needed two years' experience in the trade before they would have me. And I remember in the first term in chemistry, we covered everything that had taken me five years to get O-level in chemistry. And my wife alongside me, hadn't done chemistry at school and so she had to do the equivalent of O-level in 10 or 12 hours lectures. I mean, it was really quite tough. Yeah, and a lot of people forget about the scientific side, I think. You know, people think, oh, you go you go to college to, to study gardening. Um, 
And that, I think, is still a big problem for the horticultural industry, that um, people don't realise what kind of career you can have there. It's, it's such an interesting world. You know, it's, it's, yes, you can be a gardener, um, you can garden for yourself, you can work for an estate, whatever, but there are so many different careers. And, and that's very much what I found. You know, when, when I first went to college, I, I, I just didn't know... Yeah, I was interested in plants and growing things, but I didn't know where I quite wanted to go, and it was a little bit feel-your-way, I found. Um, but it led me in directions that I just didn't, didn't realise. And, and that's the reason now that um, I go and talk to uh, careers masters and, and, and career ladies at schools. Um, it's just something I do because I want to get over that, there's so much involved in this and there are such career opportunities open for people that they just don't know. And I think we still have a problem in education where even teachers think that, oh, if you can't do anything else, then go and work on a farm or, yeah, or garden. It's a very deep and demanding subject robotics and the use of drones, the need for uh, computer control of atmospheres in greenhouses, yeah. Last time I was in Holland, I was looking at some, some fields where everything is thoroughly mapped. And as you say, with drones, all the tractors have got computers on the tractors, everything is logged. And of course, it, it means that you can be a lot more efficient in terms of how much fertiliser you apply. You're not putting too much on and therefore you're running that into the water courses and, and causing pollution. So science is very much the key to, to growing nowadays. But where, where did you go from there then, Tom? I actually wanted to go and do a new course at that time at Bath University, which was the first horticultural sandwich course there. That's another thing which has gone, isn't it? All of us had to uh, work at the, at the holidays for 12 weeks in the summer or have a sandwich here in the industry as part of our course. Yeah. yeah. So then I left that and uh, went to grow carnations in the Lee Valley. Now, at that time, the Lee Valley was, you know, quite heavily into tomatoes and cucumbers. Yeah. Thomas Rogers with houseplants, but carnations were seen to be the clean crop, weren't they? You know, a really lovely crop. Nice, genteel people working with that uh, long-lasting cut flower. It was, a, it was a wholesale nursery, so about nine and a half acres in total. So a lot, a lot of different cut flowers and things. But my, my area was, was the carnations. And, uh, yeah, that was... That was a, Quite an introduction to horticulture in the round, as it were. Coming out of college and university and then into the commercial world again can be quite daunting. I mean, was it plain sailing for you? Ooh, well, you know, when you, when you, when you straight into managing a, a big glasshouse unit and, and then handling people, you know, learning how to handle people. But on, I'd only been at the place for me like five days and there was just a horrendous episode. I lived about six miles away, but I knew there'd been this horrible storm um, the night before, and there were hailstones like golf balls, really. Um, and, and I was dreading, in a way, going in in the morning and just hoping it was very local, but it wasn't. I got there, and literally 70% of the, the glass panes were broken. And it's just soul-destroying when you walk into that. Not much fun handling glass or broken glass, but 
when it's literally the whole the whole floor is covered. And it took us three and a half weeks to reglaze that. It was just soul destroying. Oh, what a what a nightmare. What a nightmare. Yeah, that took a bit of recovering from. <laughs> Tom, we see carnations now in the garage, which really bear no relationship to what you were growing, the quality single-bloom carnation. Do you think that the home gardener should uh, go back to those and grow them a bit? And if so, could you give them any tips on how to grow a nice carnation? Do you know, I, I wouldn't advocate people grow those cut flower types anyway, Peter. Um, I, th- I think there are so, so many more things... Um, interesting to grow. And, of course, at that stage, yes, things were grown in, in the Lee Valley, but most of them now come from South America yeah. um, by air, air freight, of course. Yeah. I, I, think, I think there are so many things as a cut flower, they, they can grow like, like stalks and enterhinums and things like that. And I guarantee every year we heard from people where there was a wedding coming up and... They wanted things they could grow during the year to be used in in the bouquets and things at the, at the weddings. So, I think it's choose choose your items carefully. A lot will depend on your growing skill, I suppose. Um, you know whether you're just a gar- uh, whether you're a gardening beginner um, or whether you are an experienced gardener. And of course, if it's a wedding, then your sowing time needs to be right. And you need to choose your colours too, but yeah. I think I think things can get easier for them. I mean, sweet peas are a favourite for weddings and things, and uh, of course they're a favourite when you look at the sales. But but horticulture does make things easier, I think, for people because you know once upon a time you'd grow your sweet peas um, for cutting and stuff and you'd need long stems. And that used to be a case of you need to grow the traditional tall um, sweet peas to do that. Then, of course, a a dwarf variety called Jet Set came along, which uh, which grew to three or four feet but um, still had long cutting stems. But now for next year... There's a new variety called Supersonic, and that's one to look at for people because, again, it grows to that three to four feet, um, but more colours than Jet Set, the flowers are larger, and it just seems to flower and flower all summer. Great tip. Yes, look out for Supersonic. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss.
So where was the next move then? Because I see you as a seedsman, so there must be an introduction to seeds at some stage here, fairly early in your life. Yeah, yeah. well, I was sort of championing it the bit, I suppose, to find out about other crops. And uh, I suddenly noticed in, in the trade press this advert for a trial ground manager at Dobie's Seeds in Llangollen, North Wales. And I thought, you know, I can learn about upwards of over 2,000 different plants if I, if I go up here. I was a trial grounds manager too for several years. It's a wonderful opportunity for a young man to grow everything that is a mail-order catalogue, isn't it? I mean, we had, I think, 10 trial grounds in Essex at that time. They've all gone now. That, that uh, opportunity for experience, it's a pity we've lost it, isn't it? Very much so, because the other thing about those in, in the main was they were independent, so they were judging varieties independently. You know, there wasn't the sort of trial ground of a certain brand, and so they have an interest in, in selling their products, as it were. Um, you know, if we were trialling antirhinums, we'd, we'd draw in trials from all over the world and pick the best for our use. Yeah, comparative trials, yeah. And, yes. and, check, mm -hmm. and checking what was in the packet every year, you know, so that you, you knew before you packed it what was going into the packet, yeah. Quality control was, was everything, really. I mean, we should perhaps talk a little bit about um, seed quality, to some extent, uh, F1 hybrids uh, have made that less necessary. You would have been looking at open-seeded crops in in those days, yeah. But um, you know, there's still there, there's still a lot of importance in it because you know you can't get F1s in everything, for instance. Yeah. They they don't subject themselves to it. But yes, that was the era, and uh, of course, go out to. Uh, Holland or Germany, you'll have different growers in the region growing there and you can tell the crops that have been rowed properly and the ones that are just just grown and the seed taken from it. We, we need to remember that the more a seed crop is rogued to pull out the um, inferior and the incorrect, the less seed there is. Story of life, you get what you pay for. You, you, know. you do, but in the, old, in the old days, those things were rigorously done. Um, but, of course, the other problem with that is that a lot of photography was done in those days. You perhaps have a lovely picture on the packet, um, but with some companies, what you get inside the packet isn't going to be such a good mixture. But that's the way things have gone. So, so coming full circle, really, and up to date, how do you see the industry now? I mean, we've got, they tell us, two and a half to three million new gardeners. What advice would you give for those folk entering gardening for the first time in terms of the purchase of seed and seedlings, Tom? Yeah, well, I always had the view that, that young plants were going to be the way things went for people because one because you know you, you always have some people that oh, think seeds are difficult or they're too difficult to handle or, or whatever or there's a time factor you know haven't got time whatever so we started quite early with Dobies on recording the progress of people <clears throat> so if we had people that came in to buy plants they'd never bought seed we used to keep a check on that and we used to find that <clears throat> As our plant range extended and the plants that got bigger, I mean, it just amazes me now that we can sell a tomato with red tomatoes on now through the post. 
But as the plants got bigger, so people's expertise improved and they started coming down the chain to smaller product. So they bought a large plant, then a smaller plant, then a seedling. And now there are a lot of people there that are growing from seed. And they learn on the hoof. Very much so. And so anybody listening now, quite a good thing to do would be go out and buy a packet of mixed salad leaves, get you starting in January. You could be uh, growing your own fresh salads in, what, three or four weeks almost. Yeah, very much. And uh, and I think it's the way to get people started. Um, I well remember that... um, uh, one Chelsea show, this lady came up to me and she said, uh, I'm just starting into growing things and uh, I'd, I'd really like to get into it. And I said, where should I start? And I said, um, have you looked for any advice before? She said, yes, I, I've, I've gone along to uh, the RHS then. I asked what they'd recommend and they said, try something that you really like to eat and you'll find, because your enthusiasm's from there, you'll, you'll have success. And I said, well, I can't, I can't argue with that at all. What did you tell him you liked? And she said, cauliflower. <laughs> and I, and I, <laughs> One of the most difficult crops to grow. So I said, um, mm, I don't think I'd go that route. I reached onto the stand and, and I got a packet of cut and come again seed salad. She went away quite happy. And, you know, we're still in correspondence now after all these years. And she grows everything now, and cauliflowers. <laughs> <laughs> what an amazing story, Tom. My best story, I should tell you, in seed is, of course, no matter what you do, you still get customer complaints on things. And, and occasionally, things do go wrong. The, the wrong thing gets packed, something happens, whatever. I had this one lady, she kept complaining our seeds didn't germinate. Went through everything, sent her replacements. No, no, nothing works. I thought I'll pop in and see her. And I said, Well, just show me what you do. So she gets a rake and she rakes the soil and she gets a hoe and she takes out the seed drill. And I thought, You know, I'm, I'm really on dodgy ground here because I, I don't know what she's, she's doing wrong. And I said, Well, yeah, just, just, just sow me some seed. And she picked up the packet. And she went up to the seed drill and she put the packet in the seed drill and covered it with a rake, with soil with a rake. And uh, I think, I thought, what? And then I said, you've just covered that. It's not going to grow in the packet. I stood there thinking, is this, is this going to be candid camera? (laughs) 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 I just... I just couldn't believe what I was watching. And I said, um, yeah, you've just put that packet in. You haven't opened it and you haven't sown the seed along the drill. And she said, and she put the back, picked the packet up and she said, where on this packet does it tell you you have to open it to put the seed... <laughs> And that is my craziest experience in the seed trade. <laughs> Tom, I remember going out to visit a customer in Dagnum that had bought standard roses because they'd been recommended to buy standard roses and had dug a three-foot hole to put them down because they only wanted bush. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, 
obvious to you and I, <laughs> but of course, if you come to it new, it, it, it's why personal contact in this business is so important, I think. Very much yeah. so. Tom, it's great to speak to you. Thank you. Good to speak again. My end piece of advice is to plan ahead when it comes to purchases for the garden. Folk are self-isolating at home and obviously spending time placing their garden orders. To such an extent, I'm finding it difficult to negotiate special offers for readers. All of those are by mail companies seems to be uh, so busy that they can't take on any more business. In fact, one of the major mail order C companies told me they were sold out of onion sets. Sold out? What, by mid-January, when we don't uh, plant until March, April? I've never experienced anything like it. So my advice to you is that uh, if you've got plans uh, for planting or for growing particular kinds of fruit and veg, it might be uh, for the best to get your orders in sooner rather than later. Because it would be a real shame to have made uh, ground preparations and then be disappointed that you couldn't get the things you wanted. You should probably turn this off and get your order in now. There is no better group of plants for flower power than forms of the shrubby potentilla, producing single rose like flowers continually from June to the first frost. All are very easy to grow in. Our thanks to this week's sponsor, the Seeds and Plant Range at Montrose. UK.com. To my producer, Rich Jarman, and of course to you for listening. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.